This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. This episode, I'm speaking to Catherine and Sarah Phillips, founders of Well and Truly Workshops. Welcome, ladies and sisters. We're going to go into all of this. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Brilliant. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Um, I'd love for you to both tell me what you do as freelancers and then also tell us about Well and Truly Workshops. So, Catherine, would you like to start by telling me what your freelance is? Yeah, so my freelance outside of Well and Truly is as a brand strategist um, at an ad agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working full time in advertising uh, for my whole career and then to balance um, being able to run Well and Truly, I've been doing that freelance for the last 18 months or so. Brilliant. And how about you, Sarah? I have been running my own health coaching practice for a few years now. And thankfully, it's very complementary to what we do at Well and Truly. Um, so I'm a trained um, holistic nutrition coach, natural food chef, and yoga teacher. It's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> um, so I bring that into all of my work, both for private clients and with Well and Truly. Fantastic. And what does Well and Truly offer? Who, who would like to, would you like to tell us what, what Well and Truly offer? Yeah, so um, we... In a nutshell, we bring productivity and well-being into workplaces um, and we do that in a number of different ways. So we offer workshop facilitation. So that could be anything from kind of half a day creative ideating to a full team away day. Um, But we do it with our kind of unique twist where everything has well-being and productivity incorporated into it. Um, And then we offer uh, coaching programs um, for teams mostly, but then we also work with individuals helping them to basically feel their best, think their best, kind of work their best. And it's, yeah, it's been a challenge during lockdown, but a lot of fun so far. Yeah, so we met because I attended one of your workshops. I got this email saying, would you like to come to this morning wellbeing workshop? I was like, would I ever? But that's a lot of, I know what you mean, there's been a lot of, of things pinging into people's inboxes in, in lockdown. And when you're running your own business and trying to get people to sign up to yours, that's, yeah, hugely challenging isn't it and how long how long have you been in business together I've got so many questions about being sisters in business how long when did you set set up well and truly workshop not long at all um we literally founded well and truly at the end of 2019 so months before lockdown (laughs) timing and yeah I guess we were kind of we were talking about it for about a year before we officially set it up Catherine just come back from New York where the idea was born and then uh, yeah we just kind of as soon as we I think it was really fun we were in London weren't we it was the first time we'd seen each other in about six months because Catherine had just moved back from New York and she'd been traveling 
and we met up in London, we hadn't seen each other absolutely ever and had this like super exciting day of planning the business and like when we were going to launch what our mission and our values were it was yeah it was cool it was really lovely I mean we, we started talking about working together oh, yeah. probably about five four or five years before that so before we had a concrete idea we knew that we we lived together um for a year for a year in Paris when I was working and Sarah was studying and during that time we just realized that we had very kind of complementary approaches to things and that we would love to work together at some point so we knew it would be kind of in the well-being space we knew that we wanted to help kind of women specifically uh, in some ways so we had sort of these vague ideas but then yeah the idea was properly born in New York and then wow. came to life uh, when when I got back to London and we were able to meet up which was cool. So literally New York, London, Paris? Yes. Like the suitcase labels. I love it. Like old fashioned suitcases when they got those stickers on or like, you know, the cool posters in places like Oliver Bonus. Yeah. Wow, that sounds so international and cool. Like <laughs> flat in Paris. sorry, an apartment in Paris, I'm sure, not a flat. Um, and coming up with the idea and it's have, have you always got on well as sisters then? Is that something that you just felt like does it, does it matter to you that you're sisters or is it more that you're just two women who happen to be sisters and went into business together? Is it more that way? Um, I'd say it matters a lot that we're sisters. Mm. In the sense that a lot of people obviously go into business with the idea of, you know, the business is the goal. And obviously, yes, that is the case to a certain extent, but the business is also something that serves an incredibly important purpose of us being able to stay really close mm -hmm. and work together. Um, yeah, so Catherine and I are super, super close. Always have been, but especially in the last 10 years, our mum passed away when I was 16 and Catherine was 19. 19, yeah. 19, yeah, so we've just, you know, kind of just gotten closer and closer. Also with our brother, but he just doesn't run the business with us. <laughs> very, very close. And um, so, yeah, in a way, yeah, it matters a lot. It doesn't necessarily impact the work dynamic too mm. much beyond, you know, the odd silly silly joke that maybe wouldn't happen if we weren't <laughs> in the midst of a co-working session but um yeah very intentional yes well this is something that came up um with the lovely sisters alice and madeline from another episode who ran the work crowd and i sort of said to them look well me and my sister are brutally blunt with each other sometimes like and that's how we thrive because you can be so honest with a family member probably more than you would with anybody else and and they sort of said, yeah, yeah, like you say what you mean often when you're in business with a sibling or a family member. Do you find that as well? Is, is it kind of like the dynamic is stronger because you can be quite honest or like if you're going to have a fallout, you're not going to mither about that thing that you want to tell your business partner. You'll probably just be like, oh, I'm not happy about that. Or does it work in those ways? Does it help with clarity, I guess, is the question. Yeah, I mean, I think there are very few. I mean, there are basically no communication breakdowns between us because we just know each other so well. Nice. So that definitely really helps. And then, I mean, I, I don't think really, to be honest, that we've kind of got annoyed with each other over the business at all in the time since we've set it up. But what it does help with is if one of us is kind of struggling with something, just feeling really tired or something's going on. Obviously, you know, we know pretty much every detail of each other's lives. And so you just have that level of empathy where if we're supposed to be working on something that day and one of us is just kind of like, actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Do you mind if we push this to tomorrow? That's just an easier conversation to have. Whereas I think if you're working with someone you don't know as well, that can feel kind of more uncomfortable. So I think that's been a definite bonus, like a definite bonus for us. I love that. I really love that because it's that idea that you can work in 
I'm going to try and say a big word, synchronicity with each other, rather than, yeah, sort of worrying about letting your business partner down or saying, I want to push back on that. You can just be really honest and say, yeah, actually, can we do it tomorrow? I think, you know, the crucial thing is both of us know that this is hugely important. Mm. Like we both have everything invested in this emotionally. And so I think with that understanding and that trust, it just means that we can be a bit more kind of, a bit more open, a bit more compassionate. Um, and actually, and it's, um, it's a funny one. I think it's been a really good lesson in vulnerability and how that can be really mm. important in the workspace within collaboration in terms of just being really like really real about what's the challenge you know and not just because a lot of the time right we have so much shame around things that we're not doing as perfectly as we would want to do or things oh, that we're yeah. with in a work capacity and obviously if you know you can't necessarily talk to your boss that easily about that but I think obviously because we're co-founders but also because we're sisters it's been a really interesting like very um yeah very what's the word very like nurturing atmosphere to just really say like hey I'm not crushing this right now like I could do with a bit of accountability I'm just going to really own the fact that this is a challenge or also just celebrate each other as well obviously it's not all a challenge but Mm -hmm. um I think that's been a really interesting one and also like in a way all siblings have a bit of a weird relationship to a certain extent where you just kind of you see that other person to a certain extent as the kind of culmination of all of the impressions or like false beliefs that you have around them from a childhood and you don't always like your impression of that person doesn't always grow at the same rate as they do so i think that for for me at least i think that we've been able to like really bring bring our relationship into the absolute now of like seeing each other very much for exactly who we are um and not having any of that like that murkiness of oh like sarah's the really lazy one and katie's and catherine's the bossy one you know (laughs) just actually like no we're just two two people who are just doing our best oh that's so lovely are you you the bossy one catherine everyone knows i'm gonna ask that next i am i mean I'm the oldest so I feel like to a certain extent when you're when you're younger like you just do fall into that role but um yeah it's definitely something I've been trying to move away from because <laughs> I'm not sure either Sarah or Jack our brother appreciates it massively. <laughs> you're the leader perhaps or the uh, I don't know. <laughs> you're not, but you're not you know it's um it's it's exactly that thing right we all attach labels to ourselves mm. um whether that's given to us by parents or something we just kind of a crew over time as children and I think it's an interesting one with like that sibling dynamic of really being able to call ourselves and each other out yeah um you know just not stepping into that role and actually allowing ourselves to approach it as equals yeah brilliant oh thank you thank you for your honesty I love it it's really lovely that you're so open about it all so well and truly workshops are all about well-being you guys both sort of bringing totally different parts things to that well-being element and I just wondered how you how you not how I guess let me start again so I wondered what you what brought you to deciding to found well and truly and then also how you find balance and then how we can find balance as freelancers so I guess three questions there really but first of all sort of what what brought you to want to set up a well-being brand and move forward with that together so I can take this one because um I guess the initial idea was um was mine and it basically 
stemmed from the fact that when I was working in New York in a big ad agency, I was facilitating a lot of workshops and also attending a lot of workshops run by other people. Mm-hmm. And what I was seeing was um, that they just weren't set up for people to flourish at all. And they were often, you know, had a huge amount of money invested into them. They were these incredibly important moments for a business where they were kind of deciding what new products to launch or what marketing strategy they were going to use. And yet you'd find that people would come and be, you know, maybe 30% present. They'd be on their computers, on their phones, super distracted. Um, And then also just physically, you'd often be in kind of like airless, dark rooms. You'd be plied with caffeine and sugar at the start of the day and then kind of just continuously throughout the day. And by about two o'clock, everyone looked like they were ready to fall asleep. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, and so often what I saw was that these workshops got repeated and it was just such a massive uh, cost for the businesses, basically. And I kind of I realized that, you know, I'd been um, I'd had like various health issues and Sarah had really helped me to work out how to kind of support myself and still be able to work productively when I wasn't like 100% fighting fit. Um, And I, so I really had started to understand the importance of like nutrition and movement um, and sleeping well and not relying on caffeine and things like that. And it just suddenly occurred to me that if you applied that to these kind of group settings and actually brought some of those really simple, but really powerful tools in, then they would just be so much more effective. Um, and so I, you know, I don't really have that skill set. I know a certain amount about it, but luckily Sarah has all of those skills and all of that knowledge. So I was like, perfect. Yeah, it's the <laughs> perfect combination. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's like, oh, we've all been there in those workshops, haven't we? And I know exactly what you mean. It's like, yeah, go to that stuffy conference room. Here's a massive, not even very nice coffee and a, an average pastry. And then, yeah, by the afternoon, everyone's heads like you're really trying not to make your head yeah. nod like it does when you're on the train home if we're ever allowed on the train home again um yeah it's funny that's like yeah. just the way it's done as well within like the event space so mm. whenever I've spoken to event spaces that we might consider running workshops out there their package always always includes like complimentary on tap tea and coffee and biscuits all day and I'm like can we remove that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because I actually want these people to be alive (laughs) by the end of the day. To all those freelancers who are like, but I survive on tea and coffee and biscuits. Okay, so what should we, slightly careful question, because I know this wasn't sort of something we said we'd talk about, but now it's come up. What should we be filling ourselves with then? Because I mean, I am a bit of a morning coffee just once. Mm. But as soon as we finish this chat, it's currently 20 past three. I will be back downstairs to make myself a cup of tea. Earl Grey in the afternoons, because then I feel posh. But what could we be, you know, what should we be if we're then, if we're trying to get through the day? What, what kind of tips would you have for people for replacement? Yeah. So like we, we talk a lot in all of our trainings about the blood sugar roller coaster that mm. we typically ride throughout a day at work, um, which usually starts with a piece of toast and jam and a coffee or a bowl of cereals and a yeah. coffee. Um, these, I mean, caffeine firstly is very kind of stimulating to our adrenals, so our stress response states, and it also does um, really kind of mess with our blood sugar balance during mm. the day. And then we have these kind of very refined carbohydrates that we kick off with, and usually around like 11 o'clock, we're feeling like we need something else, and that's just pretty much how it goes throughout the day. Obviously, the afternoon slump is also very extreme for people, but that's going to be 
exaggerated by having poorly, um, poorly managed blood sugar. So typically we say start well, you know, really just start with a good breakfast based on all of your three macros. So complex carbs, protein, fat, and then just really using that as, you know, as your core guideline to all of the food that you eat. If you're having a snack or a meal, just try to balance it out, round it out mm-hmm. um, with having all of your three macros. It makes such a big difference, um, both to, um, you know, satisfaction levels, fullness, um, and then also your kind of energy and focus. So if you move away from really relying on sugar and caffeine and just try and fill yourself up with lots of whole foods and really balanced meals, it really does make such a big difference. And it's one of those things that it's like the well-being wave is huge and everyone's probably a little sick of hearing about it. So I totally understand it. But I think when you reframe it from the point of view of, you know, it's not about your weight, it's not about, um, you know, being a perfect like health icon it's actually about being able to show up and think right and our brains our brains and our ability to kind of serve our purpose whatever that is um that's the thing because at the end of the day it's going to have an impact on business isn't it you know if you're starting to slump at two or three o'clock well that might be when you might be trying to email that new client or finish off that piece of work for someone that was really important to you and then suddenly you slump and you're not going to send that email or you're not going to finish that thing off properly that could really have an impact on business it's almost like you eat the right breakfast you might actually bring home more cash yeah yeah the other thing that we really see it with is sleep Mm -hmm. so a lot of people um there's almost this pride around like oh i don't need that much sleep you know i only need five or six hours there's actually a tiny tiny percentage of people in the world who can naturally get away with that little Mm -hmm. sleep most people need most people need to seven to eight hours some people need more um and what's interesting is, you know, you'll talk to people who are like, oh, I only need six hours of sleep. And then you're like, okay, talk me through your routine. And they're like, well, you know, I start with a coffee and then I have another coffee and then I have five more coffees. And you're like, okay, so, you know, you, you don't need that little sleep. You're, you're keeping yourself awake through a stimulant. But also what you find if you're working with those people is they often don't make a huge amount of sense. You know, you'll be sitting in a meeting with them and they'll be talking and you're like, your, your brain is actually not not really working properly right now and that's probably because you're sleep deprived um and sarah has this metaphor where she talks about like well-being is like having glasses for the first time and if you're sleep deprived and then you actually give yourself you allow yourself to sleep properly and you pay off that sleep debt Mm. the difference that people feel is incredible it's probably it's probably the biggest thing that we you can do for your well-being is just like get proper sleep yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not always possible. Um, and like, we totally acknowledge that. But, you know, if you're someone that's kind of just, you're just like staying up late for the sake of it. And you're just kind of, you find yourself binge watching TV till really late. Or you're scrolling on Instagram till really late. That's definitely a habit. Mm-hmm. You can very easily kind of stop. It's not, you know, it's not serving you any purpose and will have huge benefits. Yeah. It's also typically a downward spiral where, you know, the less you sleep, the longer you need to work because you can't get anything done, you know, efficiently. And it, it's that that interesting irony, isn't it? That there's almost a bit of a pride. There's the pride of I work crazy, crazy hours and I'm super busy and I never sleep. Uh, when actually that could just be solved by sleeping, and then you wouldn't need to work kind of those crazy hours. Obviously, there are some jobs that just have horrific hours, you know, because of client calls and client demands. But if you're just not able to get your workload done. 
um, due to lack of focus that can so often be due to sleep. Yeah. Well, that's why we go freelance, right? Isn't it to try and find the balance with those hours and say, well, because I was, I became a journalist partly because when I found out that magazines did their hours from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m., I was like, sign me up. I don't have to be at work till 10 o'clock. And yes, it meant I had to stay till six, but that suited me because I wasn't a morning person. But I guess, yeah, as freelancers, we don't have to be generally, or even if we are awake and we need to get on with something, we can be a bit more flexible with our timing, can't we? That's one of the benefits. So, yeah, I guess as freelancers, we could say, look, come on then we can get our sleep a bit more because we're not, nobody's demanding hopefully that we log on at 7am for example, mm -hmm. unless it is a very demanding client, but you'd hope not. So yeah, it's kind of, how else can we find balance as freelancers? There's sleep or what else might people be able to do if they're self-employed and they're thinking, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a caffeine and biscuits person, but I don't want to be. I mean, outside of, yeah, outside of the nutrition, I think. Yes. Yeah. Work-life balance is huge. Mm. Right? It's actually in some ways harder to find when you work for yourself because mm. you, just feel like you have to always, always be on. Yeah. Um, so just having some kind of clear, you know, clear structure, even if you're not someone that wants to work um, an equivalent to a nine to five during your freelance job, be really clear about when your times off are and your times on are actually make those times off and make those times on. Um, there are a lot of ways that you can kind of, that boundaries on which we do um quite a lot of work into because it really does make a difference i really like that so you're sort of saying well you might not be at your desk nine to five but make sure that you're even if you're in the office you're going to be doing something other than sitting and doing emails for example you're going to kind of that time management a little bit as a freelancer don't have to be chained to the desk as it were yeah i think um i think yeah just being very output driven rather than mm. feeling like you need to constantly be checking to see if something new has come into your inbox I mean that applies to be honest to freelancers and non-freelancers but I think no one is telling us that we need to start at nine and finish at finish at six and that in a way is really good that means we can kind of work flexibly if we've got families things like that but it also means that it's it can be more tempting for that just to kind of splurge out into our entire lives mm. and so I think being really clear with yourself and saying okay at, you know at six o'clock or seven o'clock like I'm done for the day I'm not going to check my emails anymore I'm completely closing my laptop down and we what we recommend is if you're working in the same space that you kind of live in mm. that you literally like close your laptop and put it away out of sight yeah um so that you don't have that constant visual reminder and another thing that can be really helpful is to schedule like 10 to 20 minutes at the end of your day of an activity that you really enjoy, that you find really, really absorbing. Um, and that's basically because we're not great at stopping thinking about things, but we're quite good at changing to thinking about something else. So, you know, if you just kind of close your laptop and you're like, oh, I'm done for the day, but actually you know that you've got something you've got to do tomorrow it's going to kind of be at the back of your mind. You might not be able to be super present with whatever it is that you're doing, whether that's with your partner or just by yourself with family, etc. Whereas if you kind of close your laptop and then you dance for 10 minutes, go for a walk for 10 minutes, read a book you love for 10 minutes, that it kind of acts as like a bit of a cleanse or like a buffer zone yeah. um, for our headspace. So that's something that can be really effective for people who struggle to switch off kind of mentally. I really love that. So it's not about not thinking. It's just about thinking about something else. Brilliant. Oh, I love it. I love good nuggets of advice. I'm all about the practical <laughs> advice and what has worked for you guys. That's what I really love about doing the podcast is like, yeah, finding out what has worked for you and what you advise people to do. How do you deal with 
the down moments as freelancers as sisters who also own a business together do you often check in with each other when you're not feeling great or you're challenged by freelance life is that a bonus to have a business partner in the well-being space that you can say actually I'm not I'm not good at the moment has that happened yes definitely a lot mm. um, especially especially in the last year I mean yeah so many different challenges that have been kind of thrown up um, I mean we anyway talk several times a day <laughs> which helps a lot you know a lot mm. of freelancers obviously are doing it solo my kind of private practice is solo and it's a very different experience. Um, it's a very different experience from doing it with someone else. So as long as there's that sense of, you know that it's going to be received non-judgmentally and supportedly, mm. which we do. Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, how do we deal with, with the low moments though? Um, I mean, just okay. acceptance firstly, right? Acceptance that it's not really going to be perfect in that moment doing, doing the best that you can, but sometimes a little bit like the first day of a cold. If a lot of us were actually, the first day of like a really bad cold and you're starting to feel so grotty, if you were to actually like press pause, take a step back, go and load up on vitamin C, loads of fresh fruit and veg, drink loads of lemon water, have some naps, and maybe you wouldn't do anything that day, chances are you would actually be totally recovered by the next day or have an incredibly light experience of the cold versus if you just push through you're going to be like running on maybe like 30% mm. and feeling crap for the whole week. And it's a bit like that with our mental health as well. Sometimes we just have to acknowledge, you know, it's not it, like I'm really need actually to step away. Obviously there are some things you can't move, but kind of between us, I think if one of us, I don't think we've ever necessarily had to do that. Mm -hmm. That is maybe, I don't know. Well, not, not that I can, not that I can think of. I mean, I think there have been times where, one of us has been struggling more than the other and we've and the other person's kind of picked up a bit of the slack but I think it's also more that we take it in turns to like step into the role of cheerleader for the company a little bit um, and I mean the thing that Sarah I think you're really good at is keeping an eye on like the big picture and like where the company's going um, and using that as kind of a motivating tool like okay we you know all our sales fell, fell through this week and that sucks but like at the end of the day, we've still come this far. This is where we're going. We believe in what we do and just kind of refocusing on that, like, yeah, on that bigger picture, yeah. I think can be quite, quite effective. Um, but also just kind of embracing, if the low moments are low because you're not busy, then embracing that to a certain extent and being like, okay, well, like, I have this time. Mm -hmm. This is partly why I chose to work for myself. Yeah. You know, what do I want to do with that? And that's, been much harder in lockdown because there are far fewer options you know yeah. <laughs> even if it's just like well I've got a really quiet afternoon and you know I'd like to be a bit busier but actually I'm just going to run myself a really nice bath mm. and like read a book in the bath and use that as an opportunity for self-care rather than kind of wallowing or like hit, feeling like you're hitting your head against a wall just kind of reaching out to lots of people and getting no getting no response um I think kind of yeah just going with the flow a little bit and just trusting that it will get busier and better again um, yeah. it, always, it always does generally it does and then when you're in the busy times you're like oh man why didn't I have that bath yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 at times I've looked back and gone yes there we go there's the feast versus famine and um, you hear of freelancers it always feels like every other freelancer is doing it right or better doesn't it because you often hear people say oh I'm having some a quiet time so I'm going to 
get my tax return done or I'm going to tidy the office. And I just sit there looking at the stuff in the office going, um, okay, well, I'll send a few more emails. It's hard not to be a slave to the email, I think, as well. That's good advice to say to close your laptop and just try and check out from it. What would be your tip from both of you for people about productivity as a freelancer? Because I know that's something you focus on for the workshop sometimes. And I know I struggle with productivity. Um, I'm quite all or nothing. I'm either pushing out loads of stuff or sort of sitting there going, um, what shall I do? What would be each of your tips for freelancers who are listening of how to be more productive, especially as we come out of lockdown and they might be thinking, right, let's go with the business. Clients are going to come again. Um, let's go to uh, Catherine first. Um, I think my my number one tip for people and for yeah particularly for freelancers where there's much more riding on what you're doing in a way because you don't have that kind of steady income from an employer mm-hmm. um, is just to like keep um, keep your kind of work hygiene good so Ooh. that you you don't end up um, feeling very very busy but not actually getting very much done uh, because that is that's a huge risk and it's a very easy trap to fall into that if you're like constantly doing things that must mean you're being productive but actually often that's not the case what do you mean by work hygiene so basically it's it's things like um it's being intentional with our time Mm -hmm. and so i would always recommend to people who are managing their own time not to just have a to-do list because that can feel very stressful and overwhelming, but to mm. use a tool called time boxing where you basically make yourself a schedule and kind of set out what your priority tasks are for that day and then stick to that. Ooh, um, I'm going to try that. I like that. <laughs> um, because basically if you're freelancing, you kind of, you, you maybe finish early or whatever, the temptation is just to keep going. Mm. And actually that's, you know, you should celebrate the fact that you get thing, you've got things done more efficiently Mm. rather than just burning yourself out and then similarly if we just have kind of a general to-do list and we think in our heads oh maybe I should get three of these done today and then you only get one done that leaves you feeling like pretty rubbishy and obviously there might be reasons for that but generally if we put time against things we're much more likely to get them done Um, and part of what that does is it it can enable us to set far better boundaries with like with our technology Mm-hmm. So I'd always, I'd always recommend people to check your emails at set times in the day rather than just having it on in the background constantly. Um, and the reason for that is particularly if you get like a sound notification, but even if you just get the little visual notification, the corner of your screen or whatever it is, um, it pulls your attention from whatever you're doing. And it creates something called attention residue, which lowers our cognitive function. And the more times that happens over the day, the lower our cognitive function becomes. Which is Whoa, not I'm like, oh my God, this is, it's like, this is like a personal therapy session. I'm like, this is me, this is me. Oh my God, my email is the first thing I open. I keep it open on my screen all day long. Yeah, this is, ev- this is everyone, but you will experience such a shift in productivity if you stop doing that. Oh, I'm going to try it, man. I'm going to try that starting um, tomorrow because that's something that's, yeah really it seems so simple but you just think well if I'm going to be more productive writing some things that I need to write then brilliant and would you say even lots of people sort of advise me when I interview them for the podcast about setting the out of office so if you're going to only check your email a few times a day is it a good idea to perhaps have an out of office on saying I'm only checking my emails or actually do people not really care if you're checking if you're checking them a few times a day you are at your emails aren't you you're just yeah. checking them and then 
I mean, it, it really depends on your job. Mm. I think, you know, if you, yeah, that's true. If you have something where people, for, for whatever reason, need you to reply urgently, uh-huh. then have an out of office and say, if you need to get me urgently, then call me. Um, for most of us, I'm going to say that's not the case. Uh-huh. And the email checking is much more like of a com- essentially kind of like a compulsion. It makes us feel in control, but actually we're not in control. The email's in control. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't feel necessary to me, but everyone will be able to kind of judge themselves based on what it is they're specifically doing. Um, and then the other thing for productivity, and this really applies to everyone, but um, again, for freelancers, where like the quality of your work, I think is so important, mm-hmm. is to have your phone out of sight. Um, so- I'm just yeah. holding up my phone for the camera <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> Um, I can't pretend I'm using the clock because there's a clock on the computer we're recording on Zoom. So I can't say people go, I need it for the clock. It's like, well, there's a clock on the wall, there's a clock on the computer. So I don't need my phone for the clock either. Um, yeah, again, there are studies that show that basically the closer our phone is to us and the more aware that we are of our phone, the lower um, our performances um, in terms of completing tasks quickly and also the quality to which we complete those tasks. Um, so the, the standard to which we complete them. So yeah, I'd say if you can literally just have it under a piece of paper mm-hmm. in a drawer, um, in your pocket isn't ideal because then you can feel it. Yeah. But ideally, unless you're expecting a call from someone, have it in a different room. Um, mm-hmm. Or sometimes I literally just have my phone outside in the corridor on loud. So mm-hmm. I'm going to hear it if someone calls me and they want to chat but it's not like in my sphere of awareness and that makes a huge difference to your ability to concentrate. Brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so much advice. That's tons. <laughs> that's absolutely brilliant. Sarah, did you have anything you'd like to add to that or do you feel like we've covered off productivity? Yet? That's brilliant. <laughs> um, <Sorry. laughs> no, I gestured to Catherine because she is the productivity queen. Um, the only thing that I would add from a freelancer's perspective if you really are in charge of your own timetable figure out what times of the day you actually work best because it really does vary person to person Uh you know some people work best at like seven o'clock in the morning and then they want to take a long break in the middle of the day and then work really well in the late afternoon early evening some people just like that sounds hideous and they want to start working at 2 p.m but then obviously you're going to work much later into the evening but just figure out actually what your kind of biorhythm is i think that does make quite a big difference um and then also actually using whatever time you have designated as off as off not just kind of half lingering around your laptop waiting (laughs) um if you're going to work actually work and if you're not be off and live your life I feel like you haven't had an actual webcam in my office, have you? <laughs> You're literally seen. <laughs> Disclaimer, well and truly workshops do not put webcams in people's offices and spy. No, we definitely don't. I mean, I don't think either of us have the technical expertise to do that. So no. even if we manage to get the physical webcam into your office somehow, <laughs> the idea that we can link it up to anything is just... <laughs> yeah. no, I have a webcam for my dogs that I can look at and it's literally just a little camera that's pointed at their beds. So that if they're in their beds and I'm upstairs and I can watch them, but it makes it worse mm. because then I've got my, I'm doing my work and then I'm checking this webcam. I'm thinking, oh no, I can't be doing all of that. So sometimes I don't then check it, but uh, yeah. Oh, ladies, thank you so much. Um, as we wrap up, I'd love it if you could tell everybody where they can find you, what's coming up for you guys, anything you'd like to share in terms of social website, where they can find you and follow you and collaborate with you. Tell us everything for well and truly. 
um, you can find us on our website, www.wellandtrulyworkshops.co.uk. We have a weekly blog with heaps of tips, both, um, both on wellbeing and productivity. Um, if you are interested in wellbeing and, wellbeing and productivity coaching, especially as a freelancer, freelancer, it might be more one-on-one -on -one situation. You can always reach out to us um, via our website and you can, can connect with us on LinkedIn. Have I missed anything, Catherine? No, I think those are the main things. Cool. Yeah, we're just are you on any social media? Do you Instagram? No, we don't. We don't. LinkedIn only. LinkedIn only. Oh, I need to ask before we go now, what's made you decide to LinkedIn only? I'm sure people will be thinking, oh, why? Is there a reason for that? We predominantly work with companies, so. Yeah, you know, that works well. Yeah, it feels like the kind of, the, the relevant space and given we are quite uh, fastidious about tech hygiene we didn't really want to um, spend too much time hopping across the different social platforms. I love it tech hygiene this idea of hygiene in areas other than physical is really interesting to me oh thank you I'm gonna have to go because obviously we keep the episodes to a certain length but I really appreciate everything you shared there's so much for people to learn from and try I love the practical tips and personally I am going to be doing my final two hours of work this afternoon with my phone in the drawer next to me. So oh, um, let us know, I how, let you know how I get on with that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, I expect to be emailing you afterwards just before I then close my laptop and saying, I've done tons, I'm off for a gin and tonic. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> Perfect, that's what we like to hear. Well, thank you Brilliant. so much, Shani. It's my been pleasure. Okay, nice, Sarah. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com and for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.